0: Hello friends and listeners, thank you so much for joining us today on another episode of Theology Matters with the Palouse. I am one half of your hosting duo, Melissa. Um, Devin is not with us today, but I am joined by um, a guest who I'm sure that you will learn so much from. And um, as we discuss a topic that is so very important, Um, I, I do have a link in our show description Regarding um, our ministry with Ratio Christi at Memphis University, Um, we also um, have a chapter at York Technical College, as well as a youth apologetics group, uh, Ratio Christi College Press, and um, they like to call themselves the Ambassadors. And so we kind of go with that name, the Ambassadors Group. Um, And we are focused on our life. uh, Our life's work and mission is focused on um, equipping uh, the body of Christ to uh, stand. Uh, on the the truth of the historic Christian faith, um, to be able to confidently defend the Christian faith, um, to live it out boldly before the world, um, and to be able to um, share the gospel um, in a way um, that is clear and reasonable um, uh, and yet uh, filled with with God's spirit and love um, to those who do not know Christ. So um, we are uh, busy in um, so many different avenues, um, Making, um, making, trying to make Christ's name known, and we love doing this show because we uh, feel it's a great way to um, bring those who have different expertise that we may not have or we may know some things about, but people who we who we go to as authorities on certain topics, and um, and have them come on and share about um, their work and uh, different topics that are very relevant to the world, to culture, to the church, um, and, and in academia as well. So this is that's one reason that we just love doing this show, because it's able to reach people that we wouldn't be able to, to talk to face-to-face. And so we pray that um, the show is a blessing to you weekly, and we pray that this show is a blessing to you. And um, today, um, I, I want to really jump into this topic, because we are discussing something that I, I believe is um, of the utmost importance. And I don't think there's any denying that when we uh, turn on the news and we open our social media, when we um, just hear the stories, um, you you just cannot hide from the fact that um, we have a a problem uh, with uh, sexual violation of our of our children and in our culture, and um, it is so prevalent. And so today we are going to. Um, really, kind of look at some observations from from uh, uh, um, an expert in this area who has done lots of research and and also not only look at at that but um, give parents um, like myself a a game plan and a guide to help us to protect our children um, and to um, to be um, uh, to, and as a church to to really uh, be proactive in terms of The sexual abuse that we have In our culture and so um, In the in the show description you will find The link to this wonderful book That um, I had the pleasure of reading And after I read it I just Knew that we had to do a show on this um, It's uh, Protecting your child from predators How to recognize and respond to Sexual danger the book was written by Dr. Beth Robinson and Dr. Latane Scott Um And Dr. Robinson, um, who will be joining us in just a minute, um, she is a licensed professional counselor. Um, She is uh, an approved supervisor for licensed professional counselors. She also is a certified social, uh, excuse me, certified school counselor with a teaching certificate and is a frequent expert witness in legal proceedings involving sexual abuse. And she and her family live in Lubbock, Texas. Um, Dr. Latane Scott is the um, co-author of this this wonderful book, and she is an award-winning veteran of the Christian publishing industry and has written over two dozen books. She has a Ph.D. in biblical studies, and she and her husband of 45 years live in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And uh, me and uh, myself and Dr. Scott got to meet a few years ago at our Russia Christie Symposium um, as she and our uh, president, uh, Corey Miller, um, were um, on, on a book project together on leaving Mormonism. So that's a different topic altogether. But um, through that, we we gained a, a friendship, and I have followed her work, and have, and I'm very um, have been very blessed by it, and was blessed that she sent me this book. Today, we have with us the co- uh, her co-author of this book, Dr. Beth Robinson, who I just introduced to you, and I'm very excited um, to jump into this topic and for her to share her expertise with you. So now I know that you told me to call you Beth dr robinson um (laughs) so i will call you Beth for your request um so thank you so much for being with us today well thank you for having me on melissa let's just
1: visit in a in a way that we'd visit if we were having coffee across the table and i think that'll that'll help your listeners as well
0: Absolutely. That's the way to do it. And I know that you're you're busy with your teaching your classes. So I just thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to, to be with me. Um and not you know, not just to be with me, but just to help um to help our, our listeners in this, this very um, important area. So let me ask you, um, about maybe just some of your um background in this topic um, regarding um sexual predators and the church and and um how that kind of all came together, um uh, you know I don't know if you can wrap that up in a little bit you know in a short synopsis or anything but just go just give us your your background and, and tell us why you know how this came to be this project. Well I, I uh, actually started out as a public school teacher
1: and ended up doing uh, going back to school to get my degree in school counseling and ended up doing work with children who had been removed by child protective services and that was 27 years ago, and so I have spent the last 27 years working with abused Mm -hmm. and neglected kids, and one of the Mm -hmm. things that kind of became an offshoot of that is people would start inviting me to churches primarily to talk about Mm -hmm. what can you do to keep your children safe, and I did Mm -hmm. a series of presentations and seminars for churches, probably before most people really saw this as a major issue, on things you could do to keep Mm -hmm. your children safe and have continued to ride on it and speak on it through the years.
0: Hmm. Um, that's wonderful that, um, and I'm thankful that um, the churches uh, started having you come in because, uh, as we know, there's, there's a lot of um, just miscommunication or non-information um, as it relates many times with the church in this issue, um, and it's just not do- talked about or, or dealt with and um, has so many ramifications. Um, on, on the body of Christ. Um, and so the, the, I'm, I'm just thankful because um, one of the things, you know, I appreciate about your book here, um, I know that we, um, and, and um, myself having been, been a sexually abuse survivor, there are many of us who are now talking about our experiences as children, as teenagers, um, uh, now that we're adults. And um, we're finding somewhat of a voice, Um, but many have not yet um, due to, you know, family issues or just privacy issues and things like that. Um, But I I appreciate this approach of we're not just going to talk about what happened and we want to also uh, use what happened and the experiences that others have had to go through or that myself have have had to go through or that, you know, those who were abused in whatever environment – they had to go through that we want to use that to arm ourselves to protect our children going forward, so i just I really appreciate that approach
1: well thank you i i'm I think I'm equally grateful because all mm-hmm. the information in the book you know was learned by working with people who survived sometimes very very difficult situations and Uh healed and went on to thrive and while none of the stories are exactly what happened because I wanted to protect individuals I worked with they Uh are a representation of hundreds and hundreds of people that Uh I've seen in counseling who have suffered at the hands of predators who often went unrecognized for many years and Right, you know, perpetrated on more individuals while they went unnoticed or the outcry was not Mm -hmm. believed. So Mm -hmm. anything that we can do to protect our innocent children coming up, we need to do it.
0: Absolutely. And that's, um, you know, you all point that out very well in the book that that, I mean, our children are our greatest treasures and um, they can't protect themselves. And so God has given us the mandate to protect them um and i do you know also I, you know because um I was actually in a conversation with someone um the other day and we were discussing um this a situation with a well known uh christian personality and his um some things that came out about his sexual violations of what, uh, how he sexually violated many women and um and and the person I was just talking about this with Um, kind of was blaming the victim um, in some aspect. And I think um, what, you know, what I want people to hear from this is not that we're saying um, that um, I don't think that you're saying, I don't think that any of us are saying that we know that we live in a fallen world and that bad things happen and God is ultimately in control, but we can still be responsible and we can still be mindful and uh, be wise, um, being that our children are our greatest asset, and that, and I think that I want want to communicate that that we don't want, uh, I don't want parents to, uh, and you talk, you guys talk about that, and we'll get to that in the book about you know not creating a spirit of fear, um, but just being aware and being, um, not kind of nipping these, these these situations in the bud, you know before they become yes. epidemic. Yeah. So yeah, you know, I don't the know to add anything to that, yeah.
1: Well, I just want to say the idea is that um, we want our children to develop an awareness, and we want to develop an awareness where they mm-hmm. avoid situations where they get hurt. I, I use the analogy. If your child's stepping mm-hmm. out into a street, you teach your child not to step in front of traffic. You know, mm-hmm. we're teaching safety issues about sexuality the same way I would teach about don't step in the street or look both ways before you mm-hmm. step in a street. Mm-hmm. You know, we mm-hmm. we can talk about it in the same way. That doesn't terrify our mm-hmm. children to say don't step in right. front of a moving car. It's all about right. our demeanor as we present the information.
0: That's so interesting because we I, it, with this being so prevalent and so devastating, we – we don't i don't we don't we don't think about it in terms of like you're saying like the, the not stepping in front of the car but this is this has just as much grave consequences you know a child could die from stepping in front of a car a child uh is, is just it can be marred for life from sexual abuse but we don't kind of think of it in those terms um it's yeah so we don't talk about it enough i guess is it's probably is one of the biggest issues and so I'm thankful for um having a uh, um, and maybe parents just don't know where to start. And so I'm thankful with, for your book because in here you guys really lay out some really um, real conversations to have with your child, and I love how you lay it out by um, age brackets where uh, things are – because some things are you, kids will not understand at certain stages, obviously, and so you have them um, to understand uh, – these things at their level. So let's kind of just jump into that. Um uh with the um switch this first chapter um about knowing your turf and having a plan. And yes. tell us why that is so important.
1: Well I, I think that just sets the ground for understanding first of all that one in four females conservatively, Mm. the research says, one in four females will be sexually abused before age 18, one in six males. You know, we're seeing it out now in the media all the time. But we also Mm -hmm. have to understand what it is that we want to teach our children about sexual safety and sexuality in general. You know, I I want Mm -hmm. all kids to be carefree and to have fun and be kids as long as they can. But I also want to know where it's dangerous to leave my kids and signs Mm -hmm. to look for and things to do to protect them. So a big thing Mm -hmm. I want is from the time your kids are little, if you start talking to them, the bottom line is you start teaching. You don't teach about sex, but you teach about sexual safety. Almost from the time Mm -hmm. your kids can talk or walk. And it's much easier Mm -hmm. at that age.
0: Mm -hmm. Right. So starting early, Um, You can build upon that is what I'm hearing you say.
1: Yeah. You think about Mm -hmm. with kids before age five, okay? I Mm -hmm. want them to know the bathing suit or swimming suit rules, which is the parts of your body that are covered by your swimming suit, nobody else should touch. And Mm -hmm. if somebody touches those parts of your body, you come tell me. I'm your parent. You won't be in trouble. Mm -hmm. You know, doctors sometimes do that, but I'm going to be there when that happens. If it happens any other time, mm-hmm. you come tell me. You know, you, you come talk to me. What? You will not be in trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yep. and by age five, to be honest, our kids learn a lot about their bodies. You know, we, we mm-hmm. teach about bodies, and then we get to sexual parts, and we don't give them names. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, hands, yeah. feet, toes, <laughs> and the unmentionable. And even if mm-hmm. we use the term "private part," at least we're using language with our kids.
0: Mm. Right. Um, and you talk about um, just um, even I love one of the things I love too about the book is how you guys have scripture just throughout the, the whole book, and it's just annuated innu- innu- throughout the whole um, message of what you all are portraying. Because um, Jesus is he, as, as you point out here. Um, he is the ultimate protector of children, right? He's the warrior for yeah. children of the innocent, um, and so yeah. that uh, I know you all talk about that—the um, kind of the warrior heart of the child. Um, uh, uh, it's kind of what that looks like or what that means. By, what you mean by that?
1: Well, what we want our children to understand is that sexuality is a gift from God, not an accident. Mm-hmm or just for reproduction and that God gave them this gift and it's okay for them to basically have a warrior heart and protecting their gift that God gave them and that Jesus was a warrior at times and it's okay to fight to Mm. protect yourself and to protect your sexuality. Mm.
0: You know, and I, I, my ministry, you know, is with, with college kids, um, and so, and with and with high schoolers as well, and, and with adults as well. But um, with my uh, with my college kids in in, um, in particular, um, when they're when they are um, you know living for the Lord, and they're they're uh, they're um, saving themselves from marriage, and they're you know running that race, and and just you know staying ho- pure and holy before the Lord in terms of their sexuality, um, if they're striving for that, I'm not saying that they always, you know, (laughs) that they always, um, are, are successful, but if they're striving for that, um, we sometimes, um, we just don't want to talk about sex at all because it's almost like, okay, we'll just bring up, we'll bring up these, uh, this bad, juju or you know some bad motivation or something like that as if that just doesn't exist and it's like okay how do we all get here you know <laughs> uh, so it's it's a it's a, it's just as natural as anything else right it's something natural that god made and and i just find in the church many times it's um this total um weirdness and when, when we're dealing with that whole issue that caught, that 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 even um may enable uh, predators to uh, to approach our children and, and to open up those doors with them that we should have already discussed with them maybe.
1: Well, and it's funny that we're so hesitant to talk about sexuality because we're afraid somehow we'll contaminate their minds, and yet we're living mm-hmm. in this world that is so sexually saturated that oh, it's yeah. almost impossible to protect right. your kids from it. And it, what though. I say is, our silence speaks very loudly. And I would mm-hmm. much rather use my words to teach my kids about God's plan for sexuality than to let mm-hmm. the world and media teach them about sexuality okay. because it's so foreign to my values. And, mm-hmm. and I I do think we have a lot of trouble in church communities talking about sexuality. Mm -hmm. Uh, we just absolutely we just do (laughs) because some of the messages we've had about sexuality aren't very healthy
0: right yeah it's um it's just don't do it and then that's it you know (laughs) and so it is you know curiosity kills the cat and and the scent of the flesh is weak right so we always want what we're told not to do because we're rebellious by nature but um you talk here about um, which I think is important, rather than just don't do it. I get, and I, and yeah, God, God's word is clear that He has laid out clear commands and clear boundaries, and he, He's laid out His design for marriage and for sexuality and for the family in the Bible, um, our ultimate authority. But you talk about having conversations with our with our children and not lectures, and I, um, and in making these conversations uh, not weird but regular conversations that we can have. Talk a little bit about that, the importance of that. Well, the
1: big talk doesn't work because by the time we get around to it, our kids probably already think they know everything, whether they do or not, because right. they <laughs> have gotten all their information from their ill informed peers. But, um, right. you know, if, if we can talk about it like we talk about anything else, then mm-hmm. our kids are comfortable. If we're comfortable, they're comfortable. And I talk about using teachable Mm -hmm. moments because there are a ton of teachable moments all the time around us. Mm -hmm. Things friends say Mm -hmm. of it, things we see in advertising, things that happen on TV. All we have to do is visit about that a little bit, not lecture, but say, what did you think about that? Do you understand that? And Mm -hmm. let your kid talk. Mm -hmm. And then my favorite technique with kids is once you ask them kind of what they think about it, I'll ask my kids, what do you think I think about it? Mm. And if or what do you think the Bible teaches about it? You know, and right. if they know that knowledge
0: and they understand mm. it, you
1: don't have to lecture on that. They
0: have the cognitive right. knowledge. They have the understanding. And that's, you know, honestly yeah. when when I think about, you know, my our work, Devin is in my work and, and so many people that we work with, you know, with a, being, you know, a Christian apologist, that is our goal for, for people to understand why they believe what they believe, um, and for them not to, um, you know, for for them to live out their faith but to have an understanding. And so um, if you're only just told what to believe and you don't, um, if you don't internalize and understand it, I've seen it over and over where a child just walks away in college. And so even with issues like this and sexuality and and talking about the biblical worldview um, and not just, like you said, not just a lecture uh just sitting down and just listen to me just dogmatically you know lay this out on you but 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 you you have an understanding of why this is so important to God and why um you know sexuality is is like why, why things there's certain parameters and why this is okay and why this is not okay it just has such such a, a more profound effect in the long term so uh, i really love that you bring that up in the book. And um, you, you, like I said, you guys kind of go through age groups and kind of, I don't, we don't have to go through every age group or anything, but kind of um, maybe let's talk about uh, for someone like myself. Um, now I have a six-year-old, and so um, uh, now she, my daughter is, is autistic, so she cognitively doesn't understand some of these concepts, some, some abstract concepts, concepts like sexuality in a way that a, a typical developing child would, but um, we have to be even more protective about, in, in her instance um, because of that. Um, but for, um, I would say, for a typical developing child who uh, cognitively you can have conversations with and they can understand, um, where do you, what, at, at you, know, you know, five years old, you know, what, what, what would you say is a good starting point? Well, I, I would say by the time they're five, okay? By the they time they're five, correct, okay,
1: By the time they're five, they should know correct names for body parts, at least, in, okay. and understand that they talk about those with you privately. Um, mm-hmm. They should understand that it's okay to talk about private parts with mom and mm-hmm. dad and their bodies in general. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They should understand the difference between safe and unsafe touch. Now, now notice okay. I didn't say bad and good, I said safe mm-hmm. and unsafe. And that's broader than sexuality. It includes, you know, somebody hitting them. Is that safe or unsafe? Unsafe.
0: And so we
1: just, and we want them to understand the difference between safe and unsafe. Touch that hurts you is unsafe. Touching private Mm -hmm. parts is unsafe. And so Mm -hmm. by talking about safe and unsafe, nothing traumatic about that at all. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, We We can also talk about the difference between, surprisingly enough, secrets and surprises. Because a secret is something that when mom finds out about it, it's going to make her sad or upset. A surprise Mm -hmm. is something that when mom finds out about it, it's going to make her happy. So we don't do secrets in our family. We do surprises. Mm -hmm. Because lots of Uh, times with small kids, they will be persuaded to keep a secret. Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing that's kind of difficult The other thing that's kind of difficult For us with kids is We have to give them permission Not to hug people that make them uncomfortable And not to obey an older child or an adult Who's asking them to do something That would hurt themselves or someone else And lots of times we're so set on teaching obedience we don't teach mm-hmm. following safe and unsafe directions. So that's positive of safe mm. and unsafe. Um, mm. The other thing yeah. is, and I mean, I have done this with kids as young as three that are returning to unsafe environments, or I think they might be unsafe. Your child should always mm-hmm. know, who do they tell if they're not safe? Well, they tell you. Okay. If you're not there. Who do they tell? They should know, mm-hmm. and they should know that you keep teaching, telling a grown-up until whatever is unsafe stops.
0: Mm-hmm. That's really good. Yeah, that's. I think All, the the. I think the language, like you saying, the safe and unsafe, like those, the secrets and the surprises, those, just those. Um, it doesn't seem like big differences, you know, but they really are when you think about it, and especially in the mind of a child.
1: Well, and it gives your child the ability to communicate with you, to so where mm-hmm. you understand if something's wrong. Right, and that's 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 huge. And like I said, and plus the swimming suit rule by age five.
0: Mm -hmm. So, those are the things related to sexual safety that I think kids should know by age five. That's wonderful. That's that's very. I mean, that's just so informative um, for again I mean I wish kids came with a you know with a book where you know we just you know to just <laughs> yeah. read it and figure it out out you know and it just doesn't work that way you know um, but this is so good um, when people like yourself have experience in certain areas that can especially this area which is so 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 important um, and you talk about even um, abuse by peers and because that can be tricky in the mind I'm thinking in the mind of a child um, because it's you know, it, it it might seem okay. It's you know, there's they're a friend or there's someone that's the same size as me or maybe even, you know, a little bigger than me or, or what have you. So that might be confusing. So how do we kind of clear up some of those misconceptions for our kids? Well, I, that's slightly
1: older, but I, I do want to talk about four year olds. Four and five year olds of
0: those age for kids play
1: where, mm-hmm. where where they play mommy and daddy and how or doctor and nurse, Mm -hmm. okay? Yes. And so Mm -hmm. you may walk in and find your kid naked with another kid, or I'll show you yours, you show me, I'll show you mine, you show me yours, okay? Mm -hmm. While those are not okay behaviors, they're developmentally normal. But there's there's a good rule of thumb to know whether it's kids being curious or if there's some sort of abuse going on. You know, if you walk in and find that, you handle it like you do any other misbehavior and you say, we don't do that. That's not appropriate to do. And if it happens again, this will be the consequence. And then if it's normal exploration, it'll stop with consequences. You know, I'm going to, you know, you lose your TV time or you lose or your toy goes in timeout, whatever it is. If there's been Mm -hmm. something traumatic or abusive happened, that behavior usually will persist even with consequences. Mm-hmm. So oh, yeah. I don't want parents to to freak out with kind of that normal peer peer thing that happens at about age four or five. Which, because you mentioned okay. um, your daughter with special needs kids, that may happen a little bit older. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, okay, that that's very helpful. Um, uh, and I think um, and would would you say uh, well I know you work with CPS, so um. In terms of children who abuse, I mean, do you just say they typically come from an abusive situation themselves or something of that nature? Well they, they have
1: definitely been exposed to inappropriate sexual behavior. Um, okay. about twenty percent of offenses are uh, perpetrated by peers. Um, what okay. we do know the interesting thing is the number one correlation to uh, sexually abusing other children is actually being in a home with domestic violence, but mm-hmm. exposure even to pornography or exposure okay. to being actually abused yourself, all three of those situations mm-hmm. could contribute. Gotcha. And okay. so Very, if you have, even I'm, I'm sorry. I'll I oh, go say ahead. If no, you no, have no, uh, yeah. a situation where you have a child who's acting out sexually with another child, you know, one of the best questions to ask the child who's acting out is to say, where did you learn that behavior? Not in an mm. emotional way, but just say, kids your age don't usually know that. Where did you learn it? Right.
0: Mm. And
1: lots of kids usually just spill it when you put it that
0: way. Right. Okay. But yeah. What, Cause you're asking questions. Um, that's mm-hmm. very helpful. Um, uh, so, um so we're getting here now about the five ish, six ish age. Um and then from there, um, what are maybe some some uh some good conversations to start having? Maybe um I know in the book you go from uh maybe five and under, um and then let's see. Yeah, so what, where would you kinda go from there, from six to eleven ish?
1: It gets focused um There's still your children from 6 to 11 begin to take over health concerns and taking care of their bodies, which is a natural way to talk about their bodies. Um, Mm -hmm. Again, they need to tell you if they're safe or unsafe. Mm -hmm. The thing that really begins to develop here, though, is an understanding of uh, relationships and that this occurs, they, they begin to recognize sexuality exists, but it occurs in marriages, and mm-hmm. that sexual feelings are normal and legitimate. And please note, I'm not talking about 13-year-olds, 6 to 11, right. because mm-hmm. they're inundated with so much sexual information today that mm-hmm. it's very confusing if we don't begin to talk with them about sex being a natural part of life. We used to do that when we were an agricultural economy, natural, you know, I, Mm -hmm. I grew up with my, my dad ranched a little bit on the side. And so I grew up seeing cows give birth to cats and kind of understood that process. Mm -hmm. We've kind of removed our Mm -hmm. kids from some of that today. And so we need to be able to talk about sexuality being a normal part of the life cycle Um, Mm -hmm. that it can extend into, it's intended to be in marriage, that God had this great plan. I mean, he didn't he didn't create something like sex and say, don't do it. He gave us the rules for it to be the very best it could be in marriage. Absolutely. And that's appropriate for ages 6 to 11. Because when Absolutely. the hormones hit, we want all of this to be
0: <laughs> deeply ingrained
1: mm-hmm. in kids, not to be new right. stuff. And
0: I- Right, and I love, you know, he like says, like, God's design, like, teaching them about God's design for sex and not that it's a dirty thing, you know, that it's a beautiful thing, in fact. And and one thing, um, too, that I thought was really great and that in this age group that you um, hit upon is that we tend to wait, as parents, we want to wait until a, a kid hits, hits puberty, um, and when we see, mm-hmm. you know breasts start to form or or you know mustache or you know or you know these sort of things voice can well deeper we want to we want to have the birds and the bees talked in you know um you know it's kind of it's kind of a joke you know in a sense like in some terms of not um uh, you know i think about like TV shows and it's like oh it's time to talk about the birds and the bees you know and um so it, your approach what you're saying is don't wait until you know they're at that that stage of puberty because they're already um, somewhat aware, you know, about these things.
1: Well, and it's probably been talked about in a peer group or something else like that. And honestly, mm-hmm. when I, I, like I said, I teach college, and I teach a lot of college freshmen, and they will say, mm-hmm. by the time anybody, my parents are talking to me about it, I was kind of rolling my eyes because, you know, that was three mm-hmm. years ago I needed the, the talk. And I think that's really important for parents to understand that your kids are getting a lot of sexual information way before puberty. Um, Something Um, else in in this age group that's – go ahead.
0: ahead. No, you go ahead. No, to go right ahead. ahead.
1: (laughs) One of the things that worries me about this age, too, is at this age, kids are figuring out who their friends are. But they're also starting to have online access. Lots of schools give online Mm -hmm. access. I know we have schools around Mm -hmm. me that actually give the kids uh, tablets and computers and things Mm -hmm. like that.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And I think kids today have a very hard time understanding the difference between a face-to-face friend where you can verify information and an online Mm -hmm. friend where people can present anything they want. Especially when we're raising um, church kids, Christian kids, I, I've seen them just be stunned. You mean somebody would do that? Yes, mm-hmm. people do that online. And that's why your online contacts need to be people we know in our world that mm-hmm. are face-to-face that we would let into our front door if they came. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. um, it, it's an old military term to say, um, Verify, they used to say trust but verify, and I actually say mm-hmm. verify, don't trust for kids gotcha. because yeah.
0: mm-hmm.
1: they they need to recognize that online is kind of a, a bubble in itself, mm-hmm. and it's not real. And those relationships aren't real. Real relationships are face-to-face.
0: Aren't we seeing that so much with these, you know, these, these children that are going missing and meeting these people and, and – Actually, because and it's just, and, and you know, I think just kind of this is for me as, as again as a college minister, this is like kind of like bringing lots of light bulbs on as I'm you know through the conversations that I'm having with my adults, you know, my now adult students or uh, or you know, young adults. Um, because even in Christian homes and homeschooling environments, um, there's a night nice, there's a, there can be a, a Naivety. How do you say that? There can be a naiveness naivety yeah. with parents that um, that kids are not talking about sex and they're not talking about you know relationship, boy girl relationships, and they're not talking about body parts. And it can be like, oh, we're in a you know we're in this this community, and all of the parents believe the same thing, and we're all teaching our kids the same thing. So there's no way that they, and they're, you know, as they're doing their own thing over there, that they're talking about something different than what we talked to them about, you know? And, um, um, and we want, I mean, obviously we we want that to be the case, but I'll tell you again, from having my young adults, um, they just do not, uh, it's just not reality. They are having the, the same, a lot of the same conversations that kids are having in the world and in public school or what have you. And, you know, I have friends who have taught in Christian private school and, they um, they have to deal with quite a bit as well, at, you know, at times with when it comes to this issue. So I think um, as you know, we have to be we want to obviously we don't want to um, uh, you know un, un, unfairly accuse our children of doing doing things that they haven't done. But at the same time, we don't want to uh, assume that they could not be having those conversations, that could not be involved in certain things because we are all sinners. And so you know. The, again, the flesh is, is the a flesh and is weak, <laughs> and and the spirit. You know, we have an adversary who is fighting for the minds and hearts of our children, um, even as we're as we're praying and as, and as Jesus is interceding for them. But I, I just wanted to just bring that up because there is um, just a a lot of, of of parents sometimes I think unaware of what's going on in the conversations that are being had. Um, well, and well, I would add to that, which we need to prepare, that we need, we need to prepare them yeah, for. Right. I, I'm a firm believer
1: in, I call it, intrusive supervision. I believe mm-hmm. that even when our kids are young and they're in Bible class, I should walk by and make sure they're in Bible class. And I should see what their Bible mm-hmm. school teacher is teaching them and what's going on. Mm-hmm. And as they get older and they're going out with friends or even if they're going to a church activity, I don't have mm-hmm. to be invited to drop by and check. And Mm, in addition to being intrusive by going places to check face to face with kids, I also believe that from the time they start on technology, we should have monitoring software on any technology Mm -hmm. that they have access to that that we can monitor. Um, Mm -hmm. I'll be honest and say the monitoring technology, I still have a 15 year old and an 18 year old male in my home um, that are Mm -hmm. growing up with me. And, you Mm -hmm. know, sometimes things alert with the monitoring technology where I literally go in and I say, okay, let's talk about this right here. You know, Uh, did you, did you understand what this meant? And is this what you meant to say? And I've even, you know, (laughs) they they try to uh, uh develop their, their uh, relationships like a girlfriend or a boyfriend through texting and I'll see what they're texting and I'll go, this isn't really Uh going to work. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> let's, talk about, let's talk about relationship skills you know it doesn't wow. have to be bad yeah. stuff but because I can see everything they're doing I get to provide guidance and so mm. I believe in of supervision Mhm.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah because they're only with us for so long right and so during that time I mean we do have you know a responsibility to to like you said guide to guide them And how can we guide them if we don't know what's going on, you know? And um, I I fear sometimes that, that, you know, I have to even, you know, even with myself, with being so busy with ministry and and helping people and talking to people and and things like that, I I find myself um, being convicted about that, you know, just about being more aware and being more present and things like that. Because um, it's very easy with how the fast-paced life is with work and school and, bills and life and, you know, sports and everything, It, um, it can we can sometimes um, not, you know, not do our due diligence by our children. So I, um, I can't that argue that. I, <laughs> <laughs> I say I, that as a parent I think we, who needs to hear that for myself,
1: yeah. I think we have to be extremely intentional in spending time mm-hmm. with our kids and providing the supervision and guidance they need, especially as they get older. They, they get more independent mm-hmm. and and we have a tendency to maybe think they know more than they do in a good way mm-hmm. <laughs> so
0: mhm- mm-hmm. um this is uh when we're talking about um abuse by authority figure, I think this is probably one of the parts of the book that really um just stood out to me um because this is uh authority figure, well you Authority figures, um, and then you have, there's another issue of your family and trusted friends. But um, especially with, you know, when it comes to authority figures and those who, because uh, we're, we're, it, t- we teach our children to respect their elders and to respect those in authority, right? Um, and so, but, but that can be taken to an extreme where one can use that against our children if we're not wise. Um, or, and how we, how we explain that to them, right?
1: Uh, that's very
0: true. Um, again, we want
1: to teach them that nobody has the right to touch private parts and that nobody has a right to hurt them. But authority figures often appeal to our children because they work at making those children feel special or unique. They're a, mm-hmm. an outstanding athlete or musician or artist. And they want to spend special time with them to help them with their skills. And that allows that adult to have access to your child. You know, the thing we haven't talked about here, the warning sign that I would give everybody is when an adult spends time alone with your child, that's the red flag. I, right. You know, they, it's not somebody in a trench coat. 90% of abusers are known by the victim and their family and trusted. And so, we, you know, to parents, I, you know, I'd say don't freak out. But what I want you to do is, I want you to look at your children's lives, and see if any of them are spending a lot of time alone with somebody mm-hmm. where you're not present or you're not monitoring. That's your red mm-hmm.
0: flag. Yeah, because there's some and sort of there's some sort of bond being created that's outside of that family supervision and and, and guidance that. Where they, you know, again, children, they're not, they're not as developed, and so that's, yeah, that's definitely a red flag, mm-hmm. I would think. Yes, uh, it is. It's the biggest one. Yeah, and I would think, you know, even again, um, with this, you know, we talk about authority figures, and I know we can, you know, even talk about um, uh, the church here uh, and authority figures and, and churches and things like that. Um, uh, we, this particular, again, um, this particular conversation that I was having about this Christian, uh, popular Christian figure who had um, really sexually violated multiple women in different ways, and um, this young lady, I mean, she was an adult, actually, so it wasn't even a child, but even even with her thinking, um, as a young woman, was thinking, um, well, he's, 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 I'm not going to say any names, but he's this, you know, he's this person. So he obviously, he's a a Christian. He, he, you know, he's very well known. So what he's asking me to do or what he's doing, he can't have any ill ill intent here, you know, and there's this kind of letting the guard down little by little and this uh, abuse of power using that. um, And then this almost, some way of in, in in the mind allowing it to to be so and not and keeping it a secret um because he was able to to obviously it it's what came out of it, it happened with several people so it wasn't just one person so there's this maybe this justification in the mind of of the abuse that because this person is in this particular figure and they might be even you know have a prominent position as a christian um, or well known yeah. that they obviously have good intentions, you know <laughs>
1: um, mm-hmm.
0: yeah, yeah, maybe talk about that and how we have to, and how, how we can help our children when it comes to, to those situations.
1: Well, I, I think we kind of create some of that whenever um, we portray uh, Christian people as having mm-hmm. uh, no sin or no uh, Mm -hmm. malice toward others. And you have said several times today, we're all sinners. And I think Mm -hmm. the church as a gathering of sinners (laughs) prepares our children Mm -hmm. much better to be wise about authority figures who may be gifted in some ministry, but who bring with them, for instance, their own history of abuse or their own history. And those histories make them vulnerable to sexual sin. And again, that's mm. part of the conversation we have to have is just because mm-hmm. somebody is working in ministry does not mean that God has given them authority over our bodies in a sexual way.
0: Mm. Authority that's does not good. extend there. Absolutely. So maybe even just a sound clear biblical doctrinal teaching of our kids about depravity of the human heart and sin and what sin really is um yeah maybe with a with a better understanding of that they understand that it affects everybody and it's not you know the person who has revenue in front of their name or they have whatever how how much money they make and how prominent they are and how well-liked they are they are not excused because it is so prevalent in all of our hearts and so i think that that's a, a really good you know, that's that's a great thing that, that you're talking about, about. There's no no one's event. <laughs> and so um we're mm-hmm. all we're all um affected by the fall. And you know, I like how you talk about just um just asking your kids questions. Um and you know just just having conversations and asking questions and um questions about just how they're feeling. Um not just what they're doing and just you know how schoolwork going and that kind of thing, but just how they're feeling. Um, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I often wonder, um, and I because I don't want to place myself in the judgment of of anyone, and especially even my, on my own situation. Um, I know that there were that there were changes in myself that occurred, you know, when, when the abuse happened with me, and yeah, I I just just I wasn't in, in a home where. Questions about how I felt were asked. Um, we just kind of, you know, did the family thing, um, and and there were other there, there were other things, there were other dynamics going on as well in the home. But I don't remember really being asked much at all how I feel about this, or how am I feeling, or how does how does this make me feel, or how you know, talk about the importance of that and what kind of questions are helpful for us to. Maybe see if something is off, if something's just not right. I,
1: I think that we have to stop and think about how we greet our children when we pick them up from activities. Um, okay. We may unintentionally create this system where basically we're saying, um, how, how well did you behave today? We may not say that, but we may say, how was it today? Mm-hmm. And if the kid says, fine, mm-hmm. we say, well, your daycare teacher said or your, your coach mm-hmm. said, you know, that kind of thing. And so if we set up a pattern like that, our kids think anytime time we're asking, hey, how'd your day go, we're asking, did you get in trouble? So we need mm-hmm. to shift and ask some more specific questions like, you know, did you have mm-hmm. fun in practice today? Were you comfortable? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Here's a great one. What kind of compliments did adults give you today? Mm-hmm. Because if adults mm-hmm. are saying really positive things to your kids, hopefully your kids Deserve those positive comments, but if they're always coming from one person, a little bit of a red flag. Oh, that's, that's good. Yeah, no,
0: you don't even think about that. Yeah,
1: and see, that's not oh. that's not a were you good today question, and it's you know, mm-hmm. were you scared any time today? Were you worried? Mm. Were you sad? Mm-hmm. Did you did mm-hmm. you learn something you've never known before? <laughs> mm. That old learning question. Mm. Did you learn something new today? Oh. Mhm. Mm. Did
0: something
1: just,
0: it you that like you would Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it sounds just like simple a simple question. Establishing those one Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Just simple questions. Mhm. I'm sorry. I go ahead and finish your, your thought, okay I'm just I'm just this is all this for I guess I'm just like this is all just <laughs> making so much um making me just think, you know, a lot about this long parenting journey and that. Um but yeah, it sounds like you're saying what? the 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 communication aspect is so important, so we can know if something's not right. Um, yeah, I, I well, know, you know, um, and, and like I said, oh, this, it's
1: that shift away from "Are you behaving?" to "How did you experience mm-hmm. that?" You know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, a lot of times when our kids are misbehaving, if we were asking some of the other questions, would understand why they were mm.
0: because misbehavior is usually, misbehavior. usually right. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, it's usually cued by something else.
0: Wow. Yeah, pattern of, pattern of misbehavior. But yeah, and you you know you um, I'll, if you I watch you know the show Intervention quite a bit um, on A and E with with the you know tells the story of the addiction uh, someone, a family intervening to help a, a loved one who's caught and trapped in addiction and they always you know go back to the family story and they always go back and. I mean abuses in so many of those cases, and you'll you'll hear the child say or well, the the person who's now an adult in addiction say you know I, you know I was acting out and I was doing this and that, and I just started cutting up and hanging out with the wrong crowd, and um you know all of a sudden you know these these very cha- these changes in in the you hear the family and the kid the siblings say, i we don't know why, but they just you just changed overnight and You just started hanging with the wrong crowd, and and then they resorted to to just discipline when the child was was hurting because of something Mm -hmm. that – because of an abusive situation that had happened. Uh, I'm going to tell a quick story that
1: is is absolutely true, and it happened more than 20 years ago. It was when I first entered counseling. Um, Mm -hmm. I got a, a phone call from a foster dad. He was extremely upset. He had four foster children in his home. They were kind of high needs, but he and his wife were great with them. But he called me and he said, you're not going to believe what happened today. He could hardly get it out. They had an 11-year-old who pooped in the pool and then made sure it got out of his swimming trunks and floated to the top of the pool. Okay? Mm -hmm. So we Mm -hmm. literally got poop. Sounds gross, poop floating in the top of the pool. Yeah. And, of course,
0: you Mm -hmm. know,
1: they restricting from swimming. That's the consequence. Well, mm-hmm. it was not more than two to three weeks later that they found out at that particular, it was at a Y, that there had been uh, one of the employees had been sexually molesting the boys in the boys' locker room when they changed out to go swimming. Mm-hmm. And enough. I told that story because that 11-year-old did something really drastic he mm-hmm. himself to a safe place because instead of going to that mm-hmm. locker room now, he sat next to the foster dad during swimming and he was safe. Wow. And, wow. and I tell that story to say, if you start to see very bizarre behaviors that restrict your kid from doing something, we might want to pay attention to it.
0: Right. I want like you said, ask those questions about how they're feeling, right? And, and um, yes, that's so interesting. Um, we just, again, I think, you know, with parenting, you know, we we do, we, you know, just look at the disciplinary, the behavior, like you said, and sometimes we just fail to um, maybe uncover something, you know, some things that are there, especially in those repeated patterns that we see in their lives. Um now you do talk in here about stranger um, abuse, and you know, and I know that that um, we've had some recent cases of abdu- of abductions. I know the, the little girl in um, Alabama that just tore my heart, you know, when this these strangers mm-hmm. um, abducted her and and killed her. And um, but that's um, from the stats that I've looked at. That is not typical, right? It's typically, like you said, it's more of a of a um, uh, uh, someone that's familial to the to the child, um, yes, or they, they're in a relationship with. But this abuse by stranger, this is so this is scary too. Now, you know, very much so. um uh Talk about that and what we can do, uh you know, to to protect them in that way. Well, I I would like to say that uh, we're not going to see kids
1: get abducted, but. Um, when I went to training a couple of years ago, I actually heard, and, and it is a, a scenario I saw with a client as well, that kids walking at the mall are targeted very mm-hmm. easily, and they often use mm-hmm. other teens to target them and pull them in. So it's not mm-hmm. a scary adult that they're hanging out with. They start hanging out with a peer who eventually persuades them to leave the mall, maybe not the first time they've met there, but leave the mall and go with them somewhere else. And then they're abducted. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. living in Lubbock, Texas, we have one of the biggest corridors for sex trafficking that comes through wow. El Paso and up through this area. And so we're very aware of that. And so even when you have teenagers, again, that intrusive right. supervision, you know, I, I of course, I'm very conservative because I know all these things happen. I mean, mm-hmm. there's not a whole lot of good that happens if you drop your kid off at the mall for an extended period of time. You know, I can be at not the mall as well as my kids. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. If, mm-hmm. if there's a reason to be at the mall, we can go as a family.
0: Right. And so, um, right.
1: And and again, going back to this whole idea that, you know, our kids don't have the wisdom to really recognize the difference between an acquaintance and a friend. You know, if they've met somebody two or three times and the person's been nice mm-hmm. to them, complimented them a couple of times, they're friends now. Mm-hmm. And they also can't tell the difference between a 23-year-old who's saying they're 13 and a 13-year-old who's saying they're 13. You know, they, they don't right. have that wisdom.
0: Right. Yeah, and the scary thing with these strange abdu- abductions is it's so hard to locate um a, a child once they're abducted by a stranger you know as opposed to if they're abducted by um you know someone that is known um that you know the authorities can be looking for and that kind of thing so mm-hmm. that's just um something always to keep our eyes out for for the for their children in these situations um and I know our time is is running out here um any any um i know with the older children maybe um I know we've kind of talked a lot about that though um and in, in, in general, some of the concepts with the, the screen time and the mall and um, being mm-hmm. aware of their friends and, and being aware of their behaviors and having uh, proper communication. Um, but uh, what, what are some of the um, warning signs of abuse? Because I'm of the, I'm of the pr- perspective that if something like that traumatic traumatic has happened to a child, a teen, what have you, um, even an adult, that there's going to be some some sort of reaction acting out, shutting down. There's going to be some some sort of sign um, when that sort of trauma happens, Especially again, especially to a young mind. So what are some of the things that we should be looking for um, and on the alert for?
1: Um, I do want to say in the majority of cases, yes, there will be changes. There are exceptions okay. to that, though but the kind of thing okay,
0: yes, that you was, are, that was more my yeah I'm sorry that was more of no, a perspective but, but you're the but you are the expert so you <laughs> yeah you clarify anything, and I think that's not there's not you know
1: there are um, behavioral changes that you look for uh, sexualized okay. uh, clothing you may also look for a kid who's been outgoing to shift and become withdrawn, you look for depression, anxiety, changes in sleep, changes in Mm grades, all all the warning signs that would alert you about your kid, which may or may not be related to sexual abuse, but if you start seeing all these changes in school behavior, sleep, eating, friends who they're hanging out with, those are all warning Mm -hmm. signs. I I would Mm -hmm. say warning signs that are related to being abused as well as getting exposed to uh, alcohol and drug use. You'll see very similar okay. patterns in both places, but there, yeah, there are know. behavior yeah. changes that should alert you.
0: Yeah. And you even put in here about hygiene, hygiene and appearance changes, um, things yeah. like that, right? Yes, yeah, very much. That's so. so interesting. That's so interesting. Um, and like I said, I, um, I, you know obviously we we are not omniscient and so um i don't want any parent to walk away from this interview and just think you know i've you know that they've missed something that you know that's not there or something like that or, or to be freaked out in that aspect um but just just to be aware of of warning signs and changes and things like that um and this again, this warrior spirit that we talk about that you know that you all talk about in the book um about like we talked a little bit about it earlier, but not living in fear but being uh, not only um not only us protecting our children but us um equipping our children to to be protectors as well of their bodies um, yes. how does that change? How do we change that from fear where we just don't want to talk about it? We just hope it doesn't happen. Um, to actually being proactive and just um, just just explain the difference between the fear aspect and that um, that more protective aspect is that you guys have to rapid look the thing.
1: Well, I think a huge part of that is teaching them that uh, it's okay to uh, be protective to trust them to trust their instincts is a huge part of it because we process a lot more information, sensory information around us than we're ever aware of. And so if Mm -hmm. you get that weird feeling, you should pay attention to it because your senses Mm -hmm. may be processing that you're in danger and you don't consciously process that. Uh, We also Mm -hmm. need for our kids to know that, that it's okay from a Christian perspective to have a warrior heart Mm -hmm. and to try to Mm -hmm. know where it's okay to set sexual and emotional limits and, to recognize mm-hmm. when somebody violates an emotional or sexual boundary and primarily to know that mm-hmm. they have the right to say no to any sexual behavior. That That is at the mm-hmm. core of a warrior heart is to understand God made them sexual and they have the right to say no to somebody violating them sexually instead of it being mm-hmm. uh, a shared bond in marriage. I think all of those things. Helping a
0: lot That's with developing so a warrior heart Right I, I just It's just again I cannot reiterate How important that this book And I, it's just so well written It's so um, strategic It's I mean you guys give Examples you guys give I mean Just lay out questions that, that we Should be asking you know how We should be asking the questions I mean so I just um, Am so I mean again as a parent Of a young child I'm very very, very thankful because this will be our staple in our home for you know for years to come. Um, and again, you know, with uh, you all do conclude, and we talk about when we talk about social predators, it's such a hard discussion to have. Um, and um, Devin and I have done a lot of prison ministry, and we um, have ministered to uh, you know those who have been convicted, uh, self-professed, you know, child rapists and and pedophiles. And we have seen uh, heart changes, and we have seen Christ saved. And I know that um, God can save and, and change any heart. Um, that's the, the power, through the power of the Holy Spirit and through the blood the shed at Calvary. Um, but can you talk about – because that was – I know we always had kind of a – it was kind of difficult, especially even when we were running our uh, – helping run a uh, prison transitional home with men who were coming out of prison. It was just hard for us to be able to place men in our environment that we felt comfortable with who had been convicted of those sort of crimes, even though they had been through counseling and, you know, they had been saved and those sort of things. Um, how How do we – how how do we respond to the sexual predator um, in our, you know, who may be in our midst and that may claim to be reformed or something like that? I, I
1: think we certainly love them and invite them into the community. But I, I often compare it and say, if you had an alcoholic, you would not make them a bartender. And Mm -hmm. I say, if you have a predator who has uh, preyed upon children, they don't need to be placed in the midst of activities where children are. There are lots of ways Mm -hmm. that can be incorporated into uh, the church life without having Mm -hmm. access to children. Um, And in fact, I have worked with some churches to establish ministries for predators, and we have developed... Guidelines and accountability contracts, and um, and kind of had phases where they can work in to the That's church great. life without being mm-hmm. exposed, without exposing them to temptation.
0: That flies. I mean, it, you know, like we like you say throughout the book, and like we said, our children are our greatest asset, and that God has given us the mandate to protect them. And he's very clear in his word that children are to be protected. And so even in a situation like that, we still have to think of the safety of our children first. And then we can work around that to, you know, to to help in that person's rehabilitation or help, you know, in their service uh, in in other areas. That's so important. And I just kind of um, wanted to end here with with this scripture that you all um, end the book with in the conclusion. And uh, I know it's, Again, it might seem like a lot of information, and it is, but it's so important and it's so valuable um, because you know I can just tell you, you know, just from my own experience. Once uh, a, a child has been sexually violated, it just it, there's so much that comes along with that, and there's so much healing that has to come along with that, and there's and it and it affects you, you know, throughout your life. And so if we can um, be a part of of preventing this and preventing that lifelong struggle. Um, then that that's all the more. It just it, we should, but our our help is ultimately from the Lord, and we are not sovereign, and we um, depend on Him for everything. And in Second Corinthians ten three through five. Um, It says here, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Just one of my favorite verses um, of the scriptures. Um, So how, in conclusion, um, that uh, how... Do we as parents, how do we take these, these scripture this scripture and other scriptures like it that tell us that god is our is our our source of help? He's um always there and he's our um he provides us what we need um when we need it. How do we um trust God uh in this world that you know is so scary i mean i' just it's it's just downright scary the things that you hear day by day and um but how how do we continue to trust God with our children but yet you know do our part as parents and not live in a state of fear
1: i i think that we uh spend time in prayer and i think <laughs> mm-hmm. keeping a prayer journal honestly is a great way to see how god keeps keeps his promises with us mm-hmm. and for our children and I, I think we have to recognize, and not in any way, a trivial way, but recognize that he created every bit of it, and he understands people's hearts much better than we do, and he sees things mm-hmm. that we don't. And because of who he is, we don't have to worry mm-hmm. that he won't be aware of what's going on with our children.
0: Amen. Amen. I mean, would you like, you know, we, we don't always normally end with prayer, but would you mind just praying just for the parents who are who are listening, to the grandparents who are listening, to someone who's listening who may have been abused even, um, who they may not have had healing from that, um, just anything that's on your heart related to this. Um, if you don't mind just praying over us before we close out, that I would really appreciate that. I just feel like we, you know, the Lord would be very pleased if we did that.
1: I would love to pray. Mm -hmm. Father, thank you so much for opening the doors for people to uh, hear this broadcast, and Father, you know what they need to hear and take away from this, and there are things that they heard that may be difficult or they may be struggling, but God, you can take all of that and provide healing and renewal and strength through it, and we ask. That you use your power to do that today, Father, and that for those who uh, have children who they don't know have been impacted or have not been impacted by sexual abuse or predators, make them wise. Help them to see what's coming around the corner. Help them to be your voice in their children's lives and to draw their children back to you and into relationship with you so that they will understand who you are, and who they are because of you. Father, we ask your blessings upon everyone who hears this, and we ask that you give them your guidance and your wisdom and your power. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Amen. And I, I just think that was just a wonderful way to end the, this broadcast. And Beth, thank you so much for your time. I know that you've got to get off to your class to teach, um, but I truly appreciate your time and uh, cannot recommend your book enough. And so we will have this this uh, up for people in, to listen to for hopefully years to come.
1: Thank you so much, Melissa. I enjoyed it. Thank you.
0: I enjoyed it as well. God bless you. Friends, thank you so much for hanging in there with us through a very difficult um, discussion, but a very important discussion. And I pray that there's something, uh, you know, that, Um, May have helped you in the process And again, I cannot recommend this book enough Protecting a Child from Predators uh, How to Recognize and Respond to Sexual Danger The link is here in the show description I'm also, if you just If you need to talk about anything related to this topic And, you know, on a personal level And um, maybe things that uh, Or feelings that came out Or uh, anything that you're struggling with Feel free to reach out to us um, At MelissaPollu at RatioChristie.org or dev at We would be more than happy to respond and to reach out to you, um, and to even uh, point you in resources in the, in the way of resources that uh, we uh, know could benefit you in, in any way. But uh, we really appreciate you um, being here with us in this um, this cold. Uh, day for most of the country. Uh, It is here in Carolina. So um, we look forward to you joining us next week, and we will have a very special show for you planned. And God bless you all, and we pray that you have a blessed week.